First Timothy chapter three is where we'll be starting here in just a second. You have uh, have asked since we got back from traveling for the past uh, past several days how uh, Isaac was doing, and uh, I'm just glad to report once again after his surgery from a couple of weeks back, things continue to get better. So thanks for praying for him. Um, please continue praying for him, but I think now you need to pray for him to grow strong in faith and uh, keep growing as a as a man of God. And uh, that he'd be able to enjoy this good health. Who knows? It may last for a long time for him. It may be a short time, but he's doing well now. And those prayers have been answered. So actually, last Sunday morning, the congregation where he was uh, had him preach Sunday morning. He did a good job. He's supposed to do, I think, some other little church uh, there in North Alabama um, this uh, this evening as well. So he's healthy enough to be doing that. So I think he's healthy. He's good. So thanks for all your prayers and care for him. Um and I'm glad that so many of us are getting healthier and, and doing better than maybe haven't been doing so well lately. Uh, I'm also really excited about this coming weekend. We've, uh, of course, been talking about this for several weeks now, and I think you've seen some of the announcements going up via email. There's a few announcements that have been printed over here on the uh, on the table uh, that you can pick up for yourself or to pass out to others. We're, of course, putting these on social that you can share with friends who might want to come. Thursday night, our brother Gary Fisher, uh, who's from Indiana, um, he's known Caleb since before, before anything, like the whole way, like the whole, the whole ride. Uh, and is also a, a dear friend of a number of ours. Um, he and his wife, Sandra are going to be here. Gary will teach our class Thursday night. Uh, he'll teach a young people's Bible study, which we've been doing from time to time Friday night. And then Saturday morning, we'll have some studies, particularly for us as members of this congregation to, uh, for Gary and Sandra to help us think about how we can serve and be more effective as servants in the body. And then Saturday afternoon, we'll do some Bible studies that are just for anybody, and we'll just invite anybody and everybody to come. And then Sunday, uh, Gary will preach once again. So please be praying for that. Keep that in mind and be inviting folks, uh, particularly for Saturday afternoon. And also if you're a young person or know a young person or want to support young people, whatever, uh, Friday night we'll be doing that. If you have any questions, let that be known. This would be a good opportunity to help us grow and get stronger and uh, spend some time together for a focused weekend of Bible studies. Uh, speaking of Bible studies, today, uh, today after after services, we'll, of course, be continuing our our studies on uh, God's designs for local church leadership. And we've been talking about this for several weeks now. And I don't know if you've gotten the sense that, boy, this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work for people to be leaders the way God has designed for them to be, not in a worldly way. That's a different kind of work. But in some ways, not that hard of work to be a worldly leader. You can convince or coerce some people to do whatever you want. But to be a leader like God wants you to be, that's hard work. And then for churches to raise up those kinds of leaders and to evaluate those that, that they're going to lead them and, and to submit themselves to those leaders, that's a lot of hard work. It's, it's tough. Why is this so important? Where is it that God wants us to be led? That's the whole point of having a leader, whether it's in a, any kind of organization, a company, a team, a family, and of course, in the kingdom of God, to have a leader means there's somewhere we need to go and we need somebody to help us get there. We're not just going to happen to end up there. We need to be led. Where is it that God wants us to be led? Why is it that God cares so much about leaders in his churches? I'd like us to talk about that for a few minutes. And I'd like to talk about uh, three places God wants us to go. Uh, three reasons why leaders are so important in churches of God's people. Um, and of course, this is partly a supplement to our studies on church leadership, but really what this is, is a is a little um, checkup for all of us. Do I even know where God wants us to go? 
Do I know what this whole thing is about? Why we sit in these chairs and sing the songs and, and why we talk to each other day by day and confess our sins and pray for each other and help? Why are we doing all this? What is God trying to do amongst his people as we work together? And why is he why is he designed for, to, for there to be leaders among his people to take us where he wants us to go? Look right here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We return to a number of scriptures. I hope you have your Bible and you're ready to go to look at these things and test them out. But I want us to, to look at some passages that talk about leaders among God's people. Uh, and in those passages, what we'll see is some of the places where God wants us to go, the goals that God has, the intention God has for leaders. Verse 14, Paul says, hey, I want to come see you guys. Timothy is in the city of Ephesus among the saints there. And Paul's just gotten an outline of the qualifications for elders and deacons, which we talked about uh, a bit last Sunday, I believe. Um why is this so important? Why do you have such stringent requirements, so frankly exclusive requirements for those who could serve as elders or be qualified to serve as deacons? Why is that so important? Verse 14, he says, I'm wanting to come to you soon, but verse 15, if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, God's family. Okay, got it. Why is that important? Because of what this household is. What does he say that God's house is? Verse 15 which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. The pillar and support of the truth. Why are elders so important? Why are deacons so important? Why are evangelists, teachers, leaders in God's house, why are they so important? Because God expects his people to stand for truth. God expects his people to stand for truth. One of the places God wants us to go is to the place where we know and are willing and able to stand for the truth. Notice how much of an emphasis there is on teaching, on instruction, on truth as it relates to leaders among God's people. We see it right here in 1 Timothy 3, but go over to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, the other, another, another text, not the other, but another text that uh, outlines the, the qualifications for elders. Verse 5, Paul says uh, to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was so that you would set in order the things that are lacking. Look at verse 9, though, as he after he outlines the qualifications for elders. Verse 9, he says, these men are to be those who are holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Why do we need elders in a church? Why is that to be a goal of any church of God's people? Why is that critical? Because these are to be men who hold to the faithful word as it was taught. You notice he, he could have just said they hold to the word, but he doesn't say it. that would be enough. You need to stand for the truth. But he says they need to hold to the faithful word, not just any kind of uh, word, but the faithful word, the real one. And then he says the faithful word as it was taught. You get the point. He say, hey, there is a truth and you need to be careful because you can get shaken off of that. God's people can get off track. God's people can get led in the wrong direction. Why does God want leaders among his people? It's to make sure that the people of God are standing for the truth. And that's what it says in verse nine. They would be able to encourage. In other words, some people are slumping. Some people are giving up on the truth. Some people think it's not worth standing for. What are those who lead among God's people to do? Hey, stand up, be strong, lift up the hands that are weak and strengthen those feeble knees. Get in there. We're not going to let go of this. We're going to stand for truth. And also there are those who come in among God's people 
who are sneaking around, telling lies, trying to deceive people, trying to lead people astray. What does it say the elder needs to be able to do? To refute those who contradict, because God's people need to stand for truth. First Timothy 5 and verse 17 says that an elder is to be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. That's the big deal. Hebrews chapter 13, not necessarily just talking about elders, but leaders generally. Hebrews 13 and verse 7, consider those who've led you in what they taught you in the word of God. That's what it is. It's about the teaching that you have. Look at Acts, oh, well, actually, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Notice how Paul talks to Timothy, the preacher, teacher, evangelist about this. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 says this Be diligent, Timothy, a guy who's teaching and preaching, a guy who's appointing elders, a guy who's a servant leader among God's people. Be diligent. Well, be diligent in what exactly? Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Well, what prevents me from being ashamed as a servant leader among God's people? Look at what it says, verse 15. Correctly teaching or accurately handling, yours may say, the word of truth. Verse 14 of chapter 3 continues this thought. Chapter 3 and verse 14, he says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is proved profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How are God's people going to be made complete? How are God's people going to be fixed up and made what we ought to be? Through the teaching of the word of God. And so he says in chapter four, verse one, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead and because of the appearing of his kingdom. Okay, settle down, Paul. This is a big charge. Jesus, life and death, judgment, he's coming. What's the big deal? What's the big charge you're going to give me? Verse two, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. You guys get it, right? Where does God want us to go? Where does God want us to be led? God wants his people to be led to stand for the truth. <laughs> I'm not going to read this entirely. You can go into Acts chapter 20. I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses. We are going to look at something else. We move to our second idea here in just a second. So please turn to Acts chapter 20. But in Acts chapter 20, if you start around about verse 17, Paul is there instructing the Ephesian elders about how they are to lead the flock of God's people that's among them. And Paul does that by saying, hey, remember what I showed you, what I taught you, what I showed you about how to do this thing, about how to lead God's people. And all throughout this text, he talks about how he didn't shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God, how night and day with tears, he warned them about how he taught both publicly and house to house, preaching to bring about faith and repentance in Jesus. In other words, the point is, hey, the main thing that I was all about was making sure you stood for truth. And you better watch out because there's going to be savage wolves who come in your midst and they're going to try to take you away. You've got to stand for truth. This point of emphasis on what God wants his leaders to do among his churches has to impress upon us the paramount importance of truth. We, on our own, are lost in sin. And sin leads to absolute and utter death, now and forever. Salvation is by grace through faith. Where does that faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and not just hearing the opinions of some charismatic people. Hearing my own thoughts as I find the echo chamber of people who agree with me. Hearing, no, 
Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. If we want to be saved, we must stand for the truth. We must learn the truth. We must know the truth. And that requires being taught the truth. That's the purpose of leaders among God's people is uh, to clarify, to instruct, to teach. This is it's such an important thing. This is why James says in James chapter three, let not many of you desire to be teachers, brethren, for we will incur a stricter judgment. This role of service in among God's people is a severe one and one that carries with it, as Paul said in Second Timothy chapter four, uh, a possibility of judgment and condemnation if the job is not met in the way that God has intended it to be. God wants his people to stand for truth. Um, and so that, this is why we need to devote ourselves to the reading of the word ourselves, because by the way, leaders among God's people don't always get things right. Even when the apostle Paul rolled, rolled up into town in Berea, what did the Bereans do? They listened to him, to be sure, and then they grabbed out their scriptures and they said, let's see about it. They tested what he had said to see whether those things were so because they understood that, hey, the whole reason we want to listen to any fellow like this is because we want to stand for truth. Not that we want to stand with Paul or we want to stand with some preacher or elder or our church or whatever. No, we want to stand for truth because it's what Jesus came to die for. Do you remember that? Whenever Jesus was about to die, there he is and Pilate's interviewing, interrogating, talking with him, whatever you want to call it. And what did Jesus say he came to do in John chapter 18 and verse 37? He said, I've come to bear witness to the truth. What did Jesus die for? That we would know the truth that would set us free. And so God wants us uh, to stand for truth. So for sure, what that means, I need to be devoted to Bible. This is why we talk about it all the time. I don't know. We're getting near the end of the year. Everybody starts to look back at all those fitness goals that we didn't meet. We look back at all those financial goals that we blew out of the water. First time there was a deal on Amazon. And even we can look at those spiritual goals. Like maybe I was going to read my Bible more this year. Did you? Did you? If not, then don't worry about the past 10 and a half months. Just start today. Open up that book. Start reading it. Because without the truth, you are lost eternally. You need to be reading your Bible. This is why it's important to gather together as saints, to worship and to read the word together so that I can be helped whenever I don't quite understand something or I thought I understood something that I actually don't understand. This is why we have weekends like this coming weekend where we're going to have an intensive multiple sessions of Bible study so that we can be taught and encouraged and be reminded of what the word of God has to say or perhaps be taught for the very first time about some things that we didn't know before. We need to be devoted to this. But it also is more than just uh, reading the Bible, you know what I mean, or hearing the Bible taught. We have to interrogate questions that we have or questions that arise. We need to interrogate our own beliefs about the scriptures. Say, okay, can I support that with, with what the scriptures say? And I'm going to test these things out. I, I want to commend our brothers who uh, invited us all. You remember the last congregation meeting? Hey, y'all come Friday night, and we're going to sit down, we're going to read this thing and just test it out, wrestle with it, try to figure out what we're doing. That's good stuff that we need to be doing more and more where we test each other on our ideas. And I don't mean in a mean sort of way or in a competitive, I'm going to prove you I'm right. No, no, no. What we're all trying to do is stand for the truth. We're not trying to, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. Who cares about that? I remember, uh, in, not just one, there's one that sticks in my mind, but I know it's many uh, old timers who would say these kinds of things when they were having discussions with people about matters of doctrine, which didn't end with like, well, I don't know, maybe you're right, maybe I'm right, who cares? You know, that's not it. No, no, we need to find the truth. And I remember what they would say is, you know what? Either you're right and I'm wrong, or uh, I'm right and you're wrong, or we're both wrong if we disagree. Those are the options. But I know one person who's definitely right, and that's the Lord. And fortunately, 
He's told us what we need to know in his word. And so we're not trying to have a competition to see who's smarter or who's right or who's wrong, nothing like that. What we are always trying to do as God's people is to stand for truth. That's where God wants us to go. That's where God wants his leaders to lead his people, to stand for truth. Why is that so important? Are you there in Acts chapter 20? I, I mentioned to you that really the bulk of Paul's message in Acts 20 is preach the truth. I preach the truth. Watch out. Don't get caught up in false doctrine, et cetera, et cetera. But look at verse 35. As really he wraps up the, the end of this. This is actually the, la the last words that he says to these elders. And look, look at Acts 20 and verse 35. He says, in every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We must help the weak, he says. We must help the weak. What does that tell you about where God wants his people to go? Where does he want his people to be led to? Not only does God want his people to be led to stand for truth, but God wants his people to be led so that the weak become strong. So that the weak become strong. We're beset by all sorts of weaknesses. Some of them are circumstantial trials and tests that we deal with because of our health or our economic station in life or our family backgrounds or whatever the case may be. There's all kinds of things that are weaknesses, challenges that we face. Some of our weaknesses come as a result of our sins, sins of our past that have lasting consequences or sins and temptations that we're beset with and that we struggle with and that we're weakened by and we give into more often than we are. Whatever your weakness is, God's design is not for us to stay there. And sometimes we can think that's what it is. We're supposed to get here and say, oh, I'm so sad and I'm just so bad and I'm just all this kind of stuff. Listen, we need to admit that stuff. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. We do need to do that. But you know what? God did not leave us to say, you know what? Y'all are just going to be weak all your lives, all throughout. And then we'll see what happens on judgment day. No, God wants his people to go so that the weak become strong. And I'll tell you, your body may never become strong. Your, 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 your biochemistry may never become strong. Your circumstances, your bank account may never be strong. You wrote what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he was strong in the truth. He was strong in faith. He was strong in the gospel of Christ. So whatever other circumstance may exist, the weak was made strong. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I love the way Paul describes how he, as a leader among God's people, an apostle and a preacher of the gospel, how he cared for those who were weak and sought to strengthen them, sought to build them up, because that's where God wants his people to go. As we stand for truth, standing that truth gives us strength so that the weak are no longer straight, weak, but become strong. 1 Thessalonians 2, this is Paul recounting what he did among the Thessalonians. I want you to listen to how he talks about this and how he talks about the relationship he had and the impact he had on these brethren. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7. He says, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. In other words, I could have really pressed upon you. Hey, I'm an apostle. You better, you know, whatever. I'm a big dog. That's not what it was about for him as a leader. Listen to what he says. Though we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you. As a mother... Nurture, nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, you got to stand for truth after all, but also our own lives 
because you had become dear to us. We were going to strengthen you in any way you can. Uh, we could, Paul says. Verse 9, for you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. And you are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. And you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. How does Paul describe himself in his relationship with other people? He says, when I came among y'all, I was like a nursing mother, nurturing you, growing you up, giving you whatever nutrients, whatever comfort, whatever solace you needed. I was also like a father, instructing you, guiding you. We might even uh, say correcting them, comforting them, strengthening them in that way. He saw people who were weak and he didn't say, well, I'll pray for y'all, brethren. We'll see you around. He got in there. He said, night and day, whatever it took, I'm going to do something because God's intent is not for his people to stay weak, to stay messed up. God's intent is for his people to become strong. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, another passage that talks about leaders among God's people. Ephesians chapter four outlines a number of different leaders, which we're going to talk about later in our Bible study uh, after worship. But in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, we're told why these leaders are so important and what the vision God has for us. Ephesians 4 and verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be little children tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Stop getting blown around, he says. Stop getting thrown around. I was with my little siblings, which now I think I'm the second shortest of all my brothers, so they're not little anymore. But one of my brothers is now bigger than me, Andrew. Whenever he was a little kid, I remember this distinctly. Uh, it was late high school, early college. I don't remember where, but uh, but I was, uh, or when exactly. But it was in that range. It was in that range where I thought I was strong. You know what I'm saying? And maybe I was a little bit compared to what I was. But he was a baby, probably uh, maybe two years old, something like that. And so I was sitting at the, the uh, dining room table and the couch was right there. But the couch was facing this direction. So there was the arm of the couch and then the actual part where you lay there, right? Okay, so we started playing this little game. He would run at me full force as I'm sitting there. And I picked him up and just chunked him onto the couch. First time I did it, I was like, oh, it's not going to work out. But he landed and he bounced and he laughed. It's like, perfect, here we go. And so now this is the game. He runs, bang, throw, runs, bang, boom. But then you know what happened. After about the 10th or 50th time, I threw him and he didn't, he didn't quite make it. And his little... Skinny rear end, just boom, right on the arm of the couch. He's like, ah, and it was the worst thing. Here's my point. Don't be a little kid like that who can get thrown around. You know what I'm saying? That's what he says. Grow up. Don't be children anymore who just run into any teaching's arms and then get thrown into something else. It's time for us to be strong. Let the weak say, I'm strong. And let the poor say, I'm rich. Let the blind say, I can see. That's what the Lord is doing in us. And so that's why he's given apostles and prophets and teachers and preachers and elders and all these different roles of service leadership in the body of Christ is to grow us up because God's intent is not for us to stay weak forever. We are beset with weaknesses and frankly, new weaknesses will always arise as we live in this world. But where God wants us to go is to the place where the weak become strong. And I want you to examine yourself a little bit. Are you accessing what God, had, the strength God has provided you. Uh, we've already talked about the word of God. So I, and that's, that's, so that's fundamental, right? We've already got that, but what else? Are you confessing sin to those who are spiritual so they can bear your burdens and help you live righteously? Are you submitting to wise counsel 
whenever people tell you, hey, this is how you ought to walk. This is what you ought to do. Are you praying about your weaknesses? I don't mean anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm praying. I'm praying. It's kind of that Bible study. Oh, I read my Bible all the time. Are you ever answering questions? Are you ever dealing with real, real issues? Because you could read the Bible and just keep on living in sin. Much like you could just say words of prayer. But if you never confess your sins, is God faithful and righteous to forgive you just because you said a prayer? Confess your sins to God. Are you praying about these things? Do you get my point? God does not want us to stay in our weakness. Where God wants us to go is to the place where the weak become strong. Listen to the way it's described. But speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body, the strengthening of the body, we might say, for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Every muscle, every sinew, every tendon in the body of Christ needs to get stronger every day so that we'll all become stronger. And that brings us to the third place where God wants to go. God wants to go to the place where we stand for truth. God wants us to go and be led to the place where the weak become strong. And God wants us to be led to the unity of the faith, the unity of the faith. We skipped over an important verse. I mentioned to you verse 11. Is, uh, is where he lists off a bunch of these leaders, servant leaders among God's people. In verse 12, he tells us what these servant leaders are for, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Well, there's, there's that strength stuff. Verse 13, until we all reach or attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Amen. Standing for truth, and uh, let me put it this way. Me standing for truth is important. Frankly, you can't stand for truth for me. I can't stand for truth for you. This is an individual decision. That each one of us has to decide as we follow Jesus, as we submit to God. Also, you can't be strong for my weaknesses. You get what I'm saying? I mean, you can strengthen me. You can encourage me. You can pray for me. But at the end of the day, I got to decide, am I going to submit to God? Am I going to put on the whole armor of God? Am I going to do what it takes for God to make me strong out of my weakness. These are individual choices. But it's not for an individual result. You understand? What he says here is that all these things we do, standing for truth, being led to stand for truth, being led out of weakness and into strength, is meant to lead us all from the disparate places where we come in the world of sin and darkness, to where we all come together in the light of Christ. He actually mentioned this in a slightly different way. Verse three talks about how, in a sense, we're already united because we have unity in the spirit, but it's not complete yet because, you know, we don't all have a full understanding of the truth. And so we need to understand it more fully. We're not all as faithful to God and strong in faith as we need to be. And so we're pursuing that unity of faith more and more all the day, all the time. And this is what God has in mind for us is that we would be one even as he is one. Isn't that what Jesus said? Go to John chapter 17, last passage. John chapter 17. It's true that Jesus came to testify to the truth. John 18, verse 37. So that we would stand for the truth. It's also true that, of course, uh, I didn't mention it, but and I would think it goes without saying, but let's mention it anyways. Jesus came to make the weak strong. There in his hometown of Nazareth, he said, I've come to preach good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind. Always, Jesus was giving strength to those who are weak. 
But all of that was with this end goal in mind. John chapter 17, and read with me beginning in verse 20. The majority of this prayer is Jesus praying for his apostles who are right there with him. But in verse 20, he prays for you and me and every other believer in all of world history ever since the day he rose from the dead. John 17, verse 20. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. May they all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That passage we started with in 1 Timothy 3, did it say... I've written so that you may know how to conduct yourself in God's households. Didn't, did it? It said household. Uno. One. Singular. One body. Not the bodies of Christ. We are individually members of the one body that's being built up. We're all brothers and sisters in the one family of God. This is what it's all about, y'all. And sometimes we look up and we say, man, why am I not? What's going on here? Something's not quite right. I'll tell you, whatever is ever not quite right with us is because we're not standing for truth. Somebody's not. Either both of us are not standing for truth or I'm not or you're not whenever there's some sort of fracture. And whenever there's some sort of problem or some sort of dissonance between God's people, it's because we're still weak and beset with weakness in our sin and in the world. And we've not been made strong in the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. But understand that all that standing for truth and all that strengthening out of our weakness is with this goal in mind that we would be one, one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, one with God, our Father, one with each other as brothers and sisters, fellow members of the body of Christ, parts of the whole that God's putting together. And that's what leaders are supposed to be doing. That's what the whole, that's the, that's the end goal is not that, uh, Church leaders would lead people to make us be a great local church. That's great, you know, or lots of programs for us to do and activities to do. That's all fine if it's within God's uh, uh, will. But the real point is to lead everybody home. All the little shepherds that are throughout the world and throughout history are bringing everybody home to the sheepfold, the one sheepfold, where the chief shepherd will appear and rule over his children forever. That's what we're going for. That's why we're studying these things in our classes. That's why we're going to continue as a church cultivating leadership according to God's standards, not according to the world's standards. That's why we're going to keep on pursuing this and talking about this. And this is why we all need to engage with those who lead us to be strengthened, to be able to stand for truth so that we'll all be one as God has in mind for us. And I pray that all the more that would be the case. And I guess the, the last thing I'll say is really all these things, you know, these, these three places where God wants to lead us, all are bound together by one thing. It's sort of the oxygen that breathes in all these things. The goal of our instruction, Paul would say in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, the goal of our instruction as we stand for truth is love. I pray for you, he said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, leading into this text we just read a moment ago. I pray for you that you would be strengthened in the inner person, that you wouldn't be weak anymore, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And what is it that Jesus just said? What's all this oneness all about? That all the world may know that you have loved me, Jesus said. And of course, we know that 
through the love that he has for us. In just a moment, we're going to take the supper, and that's what it's all about. Remembering the love that God has. Remembering the love that's the basis of truth. Remembering the love that's the source of our strength. Remembering the love of God that binds us together in the unity of the faith. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would continue to raise up leaders that are imitators of your son, Jesus. We pray that for us here in this congregation. We pray that for the world over and in, in, wherever your people are. We pray, God, that all of us uh, would understand where it is that you're trying to take us, where it is you want us to go, that we would stand for truth, that we would gain strength out of our weakness and sin in this world, that we'd be strong in holiness and righteousness. And that in these, um, in truth and in strength, we would be one in Jesus Christ and by the fellowship of his spirit. Go with us, God. Give us what we need to be what you expect us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.